Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. I am Jackie Reed, working from home while someone is cutting a lawn somewhere nearby landscaping. You know, people are outside doing things. And, you know, as I look at these people, I saw them pass by earlier. I can't see them now, but they don't have a mask. And it's a group of people working and landscaping the property where I live. And I don't know. It just makes me nervous, but I'm staying in here. So we're safe and sound in here. People have to make their own choices, but I hope they're making smart choices, not just for themselves, but for everyone. So this new normal, huh? Wow. I am still working from home and spending most of my time inside with my boyfriend and my two dogs, and it's going okay. You know, people ask me how I'm doing, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good, and that's a sincere answer. I think what is keeping my anxiety in check uh, is the calmness of my boyfriend, first and foremost. He is the most calm person you will ever meet. Um, and also the fact that I try to keep some type of a routine, for the most part. Um, even not being too hard on myself and not being too strict on myself is another thing that I do. But I try to get up early. I'm at least up by 7 o'clock. I'm trying to, I'm going to start this week getting back to getting up at 5 a.m. just so I can get more things done. I definitely am more productive earlier in the day. I try to meditate. I'm really not good at it, but I'm still, I'm still trying, right? Still working on it. I like to work out early, walk my dogs, and then feed them, take in some news. Because even though I don't like to watch the news around the clock, which I was doing at first, I do like to know early in the morning and the end of the day what's new with this whole COVID-19 stuff. So I do try to take in some news. And I'll have some detox tea that I make myself. You can go to vegansexycool.com and find that recipe. It's really good for you. Um, have some breakfast. I check in with my mom and my sister and a few friends on the phone. And then I do a little bit of work and some cooking, do a little bit of more work, a little bit of cooking. I may take a break. Um, and I try to go to bed by 11 p.m. 11 p.m. at night. So that's loosely my routine. And I, again, I try to keep it loose um, because I don't want the anxiety of hard deadlines throughout the day. I do have some deadlines for my TV job that I have to meet and for the two podcasts that I do, um, this one, and then I do another one, Read This, Read That with Joy Reid um, from MSNBC. So you should check that out if you get a chance, subscribe over there as well. But I've been eating a lot of great vegan food, thanks to Purple Carrot. I can't say enough great things about Purple Carrot. And if you go to vegansexycool.com, I did a whole write-up of how, why I love Purple Carrot, how I decided on it, and just what you get um, when you uh, subscribe to that. So check it out, because I love it. And their recipes are so so yeah, we're surviving over here, you know, really surviving well under the circumstances. And my guest today is working hard to keep the folks in Brooklyn safe and alive. Eric Adams is the Brooklyn Borough President, and he is a huge advocate for plant-based eating. He actually turned his health around by going vegan, and he is also running for mayor of New York City. So up next, Eric Adams will join me. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams is no stranger to innovative and sometimes controversial ideas, and that is why it makes sense that he is such a strong advocate for plant-based eating. In fact, for him, it's very personal, um, and he will tell us the story today about how changing to a plant-based diet 
changed his life. So without further ado, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. And is it like when we're introducing you, Eric, when do we say like mayoral candidate? Like, uh, only, only if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do want to get that in there. because I'm excited um, that someone like you, that's such an advocate for plant-based eating, is also running for New York City mayor. That's exciting. And, it, and, and it's about running for office is more than the process of being elected. It is also heightening uh, those issues that are important. Sometimes we get so caught up on the destiny that we miss the importance of the journey. And I want yeah. to spend my time in government of reaching those plateaus of becoming a state senator, a bar president, um, and the mayor. But I also want to raise those important issues while I'm on the journey. I love that. And I want to talk to you first and foremost about how you're doing, how you and your loved ones are doing amid all this COVID-19 coronavirus, you know, stuff that's going on, particularly, you know, in, in New York City. So true. And, and, and think about it for a moment. And I know you, you know, you're familiar with the borough. We did a great ride around to various vegan restaurants and the borough has some great food. Uh, but New York City has become the epic center of the virus here in America. Brooklyn is the epic center in New York City. And so when you talk about this virus and the number of cases, uh, the conversation really starts in those areas that are the hardest hit. Uh, just as in, um, in other places, there were locales that was at, center, at the center of where the virus was, was, was feeding out from and hardest hit. That is what we're experiencing here in Brooklyn. And it becomes really challenging because our borough, 47% uh, of the borough speaks a language other than English at home. And I really need to, I wanna really engage in this conversation with you because it comes full circle. Hmm. So when Governor Cuomo is on TV or Bill de Blasio or, or, or the president is on TV talking about uh, this virus and telling people what they need to do, social, uh, distancing, um, uh, all those things, telecommuting. You are speaking over the head of countless number of people. People don't get their news, just be, they don't wake up in the morning and run to the local store and get the New York Times. I was in Canarsie speaking to some young oh, people true. playing basketball and I told them, I said, hey guys, you're supposed to be social distancing. They said, what the hell is that? You know, and how about my Korean population yeah. that don't speak English at all? Who's yeah. talking to them? Who's advertising in their local papers or my Hasidic community where they don't watch TV or radio or read any of your papers at all? That's we a big to... issue. That's a big right. problem that a lot of people don't even think about. I didn't even think right. about it until you said it right here. Right. We have to start getting out of the arrogancy, believing the way we communicate and everyone communicates that way. Get out of our echo chamber and start really interacting with people on the ground. We should be advertising in the various ethnic language newspapers on what social distancing means, how to wash your hands, all of those things that we're talking about, it cannot be just for the elite. And then go to the term that everyone is using, telecommuting. Yeah. You know, if you're a train operation, operator, you can't telecommute. If yeah. you are a school crossing guard, you can't telecommute. So we can't create a response 
for the managers in the elite in the city and then ignore the everyday people who don't have the ability or the access or the influence to be able to do their jobs and run their lives from their, their homes. That is what, when I talk about this, we all need to be part of this, this, this conversation. And that goes right into the food conversation. It's so true because a lot, and you know, you mentioned our, the story that we did where, you know, we went to some of your favorite spots in Brooklyn, vegan spots. And those, a lot of those businesses are struggling now. Greedy Vegan, which we went, which we both love that amazing food. You know, now she's had to, you know, she can't take customers inside. I don't know if at this point she's still delivering, but it's, this is, this is going to be really tough on a lot of small it businesses. It really is. And so I think there's a couple of things we, we could do. Um, out of crisis. I knew you were going to have some good ideas. But <laughs> come on. <laughs> out of crisis comes uh, opportunity. Yeah. So um, with first, you always have to deal with the immediate issue that's in front of you, the triage. The immediate issue that's in front of us is what's called PPEs, personal protection equipment, for our hospital personnel and our frontline people. People think that the personal protection equipment is only for the doctors, the nurses, the orderly. No, we need to have, they must have equipment so they can deal with the crises in the hospitals, but we have to ensure that we're not feeding the crisis by having our other professionals. That's why today- Police our, and firefighters. Firefighters, and, and even thinking beyond that, um, I was able to secure 10,000 masks, 9,500 of them I want to give to my hospitals. Other 500 I want to go on the ground to my school safety, uh, school crossing guards, uh, my uh, uh, school service um, workers, who are food service workers who are serving food to children. I went to NYCHA today and gave out uh, a, a number knocking on doors because when you talk about those who can be hardest hit by this virus, they have respiratory issues, asthma, diabetes, other pre-existing health conditions. That is the, the description of NYCHA. And so if we're not going to those locales that said, hey, we also have to provide for you. I got to show you what you need to do so you don't become, um, uh, you know, just disproportionately impacted um, by this virus. Some, some people would say, well, why are you worrying about NYCHA? Why are you giving out uh, masks to NYCHA residents? You know, you need to only be focusing on medical institutions. I said, no, no, we all got to get through this. And the city first needs to deal with the immediate need. But once we get the millions of masks here to deal with the immediate need, now we convert our uh, tailor shops. We, we convert all of these locations, the next productions of millions of masks, we need to have created it here in the borough. Now, we look at the number of people who are shut in. Let's convert our restaurants to serve foods, to feed to these folks who are shut in that can't get out to go shopping, can't afford it. The government, part of that stimulus package should go to these local businesses and say, hey, uh, greedy vegan, we want you now to provide a service because we closed down our adult daycare centers. Now you provide the service to feed those uh, seniors who are uh, either shut in or sick and shut in. So we need to change the dynamic. Some of that money goes to them to provide that yes. service. And so and that helps keep their doors open. That's a really good idea. 
exactly. We we are now helping those businesses uh, stay a uh, stay afloat while we're going through this uh, very uh, challenging and difficult time. We're gonna have to order a lot of our supplies now outside the country because we didn't build up the necessary storage. But that next wave should be all U.S. made all U.S. built, let's start training people right now. Making a mask is not rocket science. Making a hospital gown is not rocket science. We're going to need millions of these items. We're going to need food every day. Let's now go in the area of using hydroponics to grow our food on rooftops. Let's now look at building out the infrastructure delivery system, mobile learning for our children. Now we need to get prepared for what is going to happen and the long sustainability possibility yeah. of this of this virus. How long do you feel like in, in your gut, and I know you don't just go on your gut, but it's a big part of it, but based on what you're seeing out there, what experts are saying, how long do you think that this is going to last? That's a great question. Uh, I, I believe a long time. Um, I lived through 9-11. I was you know, down there conducting patrol and the danger between then and now uh, 9-11, uh, we uh, falsely told those first responders that the, the air was fine and many of those first responders died or they're still living with conditions from 9-11 related illnesses, but it was isolated to the individual. It may have impacted emotionally the family, but the illness was, act, was isolated to the individual. Coronavirus, fast forward, we're not going to do like 9-12, start rebuilding coronavirus they're saying can go up into the month of June, July, or August. So we're looking at the potentiality of exposure and the illness is not isolated to the one individual. You can now go home and actually expose your family member as a good friend of mine just exposed her son and he's now on a respirator because of that. So we need to understand the capacity of a few months of dealing with this issue. You know, the mayor said himself, uh, April is going to be worse than March and May maybe even worse than April. So we're in for a while, but we have to keep our heads up, be healthy, meditate, exercise, find ways to find your center because getting through this is going to be about centering yourself so you can get through it as an individual. And I want to transition a bit and talk to you about that because I know that you made a shift years ago in your life to focus on your health and your wellness. What are you, before we talk about your journey, let me ask you first and foremost, how do you at a time like this make sure that your wellness and your health is a priority because you must be working 24 seven and the stress level must be really high. No, no, so true. That's, that's a great question. You know, we, we are doing 12, 13 hours days, seven days a week. Because remember, because of the presence of coronavirus, it didn't mean the other crises of the borough disappeared. Mm. We still have real crises. I was just in NYCHA and a woman was showing me how she had a flood in her entire apartment coming from the bathroom. So we still have to deal with that crisis and being able to know how to triage and sectionalize and have the appropriate response is so important. And that is what we're doing. Uh, using the lessons from the past, I've created a command center in my conference room. We're using technology 
to know what's the incoming and how do we respond to that incoming. And it's so important. You, if, if there's ever is a time that a person must be organized, now is the time. If not, you will be inundated from the weight of the trauma from the past to the trauma we are facing now. And so I balance my life. I, I continue to meditate in the morning and that evening. I'm eating right because you have to build uh, your immune system and strengthen your immune system. Uh, I'm, I'm making sure that I stay centered and at the heart of surviving this is making sure that you're taking care of yourself first. There's a reason when you get on the plane, they say before you put the mask on your loved one, put it on yourself first, because if you're no good to yourself, you're not gonna be good to your loved ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so many people who would say, you know, um, that when, when the going gets tough, it's tough to stick to a plant-based diet because they feel like the options are limited. Um, you know, when you are at your busiest, you know, is it challenging or was it at first to stick to a plant-based diet? Oh, yes, it, yes, it was. I would say for the first uh, two, three weeks, because much of it, I didn't trust anyone's uh, cooking anymore. I didn't know, you know, what they were putting in it. If I tell them no oil, they always come back and say, oh, I just put a little. And so I had to learn how to cook on my own. Yeah. And I was not a great cook because I spent my life eating out, you know, as a cop. You ate everywhere and anywhere. And so for the first week, my food was so horrendous. Good yeah. Lord, I don't even know how I ate that stuff. <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I said, you know what, if I got to eat this, I'm in a lot of trouble. But it evolved. I started uh, testing new spices, testing new menus. And all of a sudden, I started to find my flavor and I started to find my space. So now it's about preparation, making sure uh, once a week, I cut up all my veggies, my fruits, um, grind my flax seeds, already know my go-to meals when, I, when I'm in a rush. And now it's smooth sailing. I, I'm, I'm able now to, uh, there's no looking back. It's part of my life. And I don't see using it as, hey, it's too busy is no reason. I built my diet and feeding my body around my, what I do. You know, I, what I do is not determined on taking care of my body. And it's about really, prioritizing the importance of health. I think a lot of people don't realize how important it is to get that nutrition. And that's why they put it on the back burner. Once you understand that if you don't have it, uh, it's going to impact your ability to function, then you take a different approach. So true. And I want, Eric, for you to share with the people that may not have heard your story, just where you were health-wise when you decided to make this change. I mean, type 2 diabetes, I think you had lost your eyesight. There was a chance that you were going to lose some of your fingers, toes. Tell us where you were. No, and it was a major place. Uh, and it, it came out of nowhere. And that's, that's what was interesting. Um, although they were telltale signs, uh, the wall just hit one day uh, while I was out of the country and I was experiencing pain in my stomach. I thought it was colon cancer, to be honest, because it didn't move. And you know your body, you know when things are not right. And when I returned to America, I went to the doctor and the doctor um, checked my colon and checked my stomach. He told me that, you know, Eric, your colon was fine and your uh, stomach, I had a small ulcer at the time. And the real issue, he said that, you know, you're diabetic and your A1C is, is at a coma level. And at that time, I lost my sight in my left eye. 
and my right eye was blurry as well. And I had what was considered uh, nerve damage. They said it was permanent nerve damage, uh, tingling in my hands and feet all the time. And they said that, you know, eventually it could lead to amputation uh, because of the permanent nerve damage. I, I couldn't even feel my right thigh. My right thigh was numb uh, because of the nerve damage. And high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, diabetic, you know, the whole package that so many of our family members experienced. And the doctor said I was going to be on medicine the rest of my life. And there was not much I could do about it. It was hereditary. And basically, this is, you know, the story. And, you know, in, in our community, particularly the communities of color, uh, we sweetened the term of diabetes. She has a little sugar, yeah. you know. So we normalized being diabetic. And it wasn't, uh, I went to five doctors in the city and they all told me the same thing until I decided, as I like to say, I became scientific and went on Google and Googled reversing diabetes. <laughs> and all this information came up. Great doctors, Dr. Esselton uh, in Ohio, Dr. Gregor, uh, Dr. Barnard. And I started reading their materials. And I went down to see Dr. Essie at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio visited him he started telling me what i need to do and i remember him saying the food i used to give i had to give up and i was saying well, you know what's wrong with this food i'm losing my sight and he's telling me to stop eating fried chicken and steak <laughs> and but i thought i had nothing to lose and when i returned to the city you know it's amazing you know uh, the quantum physics talks about when you notice something it appears and that's how it was for me when i opened my fridge and started looking at the food i had to get rid of and saw that I had no healthy food in my fridge. Everything was processed. Yeah. And I had to just, you know, empty all that stuff out and start anew. You know, all of that macaroni and cheese and, and quick oats and just all of this unhealthy food. And three weeks later, after going to a whole food plant-based diet, uh, my vision returned. Uh, three months later, my nerve damage went away. The, my cholesterol normalized, my blood pressure normalized. Uh, even the ulcer, I love dogs, let them bark. <laughs> even the ulcer disappeared. No medicine um, for the ulcer. They gave, me, they gave me three medicines for my ulcer and it disappeared, never returned. We're talking three years later, never felt wow. any discomfort. It's a fool, That's man. That's it, it really makes a difference. And I know you're a big uh, advocate of the movie, uh, The Game Changers. I am too. It's such great information. But, you know, I love with you, Eric, that you don't just eat plant-based because you can eat plant-based and still eat unhealthy. You're okay. very focused on what is healthy. And something that I'm trying to do that I know that you do, because it's something that I learned later, was um, the need to um, not use as much oil in our diet. You know what I mean? Yes. Even olive oil and other types of oil can oils can be unhealthy for us. Can you talk a little so bit true. about that? So true, so true. Because two things. Number one, uh, there's a great book called Real Food Versus Fake Food. Mm. And one of the chapters in the book on, on uh, food is oil. What we think is virgin olive oil is not. And in many cases, it's mixed, but by the time it gets here to America, it's mixed with so many different additives. Uh, you know, we think we're eating healthy, but when you read this book, it's an eye-opener. But even in 100% virgin olive oil, right out of Italy, right off the olive tree, still the overconsumption of oil, according to Dr. Esselstyn and others, uh, that's 
overconsumption of oil is really a killer for us, particularly uh, saturated fat. And many people don't know, and I didn't know, one of the leading causes of diabetes is the overconsumption of saturated fat. Mm -hmm. That clogs your arteries, it prevents uh, your insulin from doing its job. And that is why it's important to try to remove oil from your diet. I, I have done that. I've learned to cook without oil. I learned how to get the taste that I'm looking for. And it's amazing how your body will adjust. We really underestimate the ability uh, of our body. Our body will adjust. It wants to be fed. It wants to get off oil. It wants to get off sugar. It wants to get off fat. We just need to give our body a chance and it will adjust and it adjusted well to not using oil. I know how to cook by using a little water or using other ways to cook. I, I do not do oil at, at all. Mm. Mr. Borough President, I need that cookbook. I need the cookbook, man. I need the cookbook. When is that? That has, you, I know you're busy, listen, trying to change the world, but I need the cookbook. But we're doing a great project that we're excited about, um, um, Healthy at Last, and it's mm. going to show folks how to live a life. It's targeting uh, people of color uh, on the connection between uh, soul food and slave food, how you know the same food that we turn into a delicacy, our ancestors were forced to eat, and those recipes continued the destruction of our community. The greatest challenge we have in our community is health. We're losing our loved ones, our, our family members, our scholars. We lost some great congressional people through uh, health issues. Jesse yeah. Jackson is going through Parkinson's disease, a major health issue. And when you do an analysis of the number of people we're losing uh, from our community, it's directly connected uh, to what's on their plate that's putting them uh, inside prematurely, inside their coffin. And we want to show them, so the book we're coming out, uh, Healthy at Last, A um, Plant-Based Diet of Reversing uh, di Diabetes and Other Chronic Diseases. And in that book, we have some great recipes that are coming from uh, some notable folks, and we're excited about that. But also, you know, I want to encourage your listeners, right now online, if you, one would just plant, um, would, would just search, oil-free cooking, it's amazing how much information is out there. Or, 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 or vegan cooking, there's a lot of good information out there. But I wanna circle back to something you said that's so important. Plant-based and, and whole food plant-based is number one, it's not walking around with lettuce all the time and just eating kale and lettuce. No, that's an exciting uh, a, a collection of meals you can make. And, and I continue to explore new meals. But also, Oreo cookies is plant-based, is, 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 is uh, vegan. And, and having a Snicker bar is vegan, or some of these other foods. So it's not yeah. about just not eating meat. You know, it's great not to eat meat if you like me, believe that we should not be killing animals, we should not be destroying our rainforest, we should not be killing um, our Amazon rainforest, which is the filter. Um, our air filter of the globe. But yeah. at the same time, it's about just as we shouldn't be destroying Mother Earth, we should not be destroying our mother. Yeah. We should be having healthy meals and it can't be just making an alternative to some of the unhealthy things people are eating. I try to stay 
as straight to um, whole food, plant-based, if it's uh, lentil noodles, if it's uh, yeah. making my own ice cream uh, at a Asia bowl and um, putting bananas and nuts. I make my own bread with flax seeds and sweet potatoes. <laughs> and, you know, so there's a way to yeah. get the taste you're looking for and still enjoy food, the taste of food you're looking for. Uh, you're trying to get. Yeah. Well, Brooklyn Borough President Eric yeah. Adams, I know you got to put that cape back on and get out there. <laughs> I appreciate you stopping by Thank to uh, just talk with me here on Vegan Sexy Cool. You know, I love everything that you're doing and I love the example that you set for people um, in our community, particularly, but for everybody when yes. it comes to transforming, you know, your life and reversing, uh, you know, a health diagnosis and really turning our lives around and living at our optimal health level. So thank and you. It's so, and it's so important. It's so important because, you know, a chronic disease, as you know, it hijacks your life. Yeah. You know, it, it, you're no longer, when you sit at a computer, you're not thinking about what's in front of you. You can't do your job. Productivity goes down. 30 million Americans are diabetic. 84 million are pre-diabetic. We're spending 80 cents on a dollar for chronic disease. It's not sustainable. And you want to regain control of your life. You don't want to sit in an emergency room with your girlfriend because she has breast cancer surgery. You don't want to see a great person like Ken Thompson, the first African-American district yeah. attorney, die from colorectal cancer. You don't want your family members going in and out of the hospital, experiencing hospice. This is, we, we deserve to live better than this. And that is why we're doing this. This is a mission of compassion and love. My 80-year-old mother was able to get off her insulin after two months of going on plant-based. I want other mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers to have a healthy lifestyle. We don't want to benchmark our lives about who chance it is to sit um, with our loved ones as they're experiencing a chronic disease. And that's what this is about. My sister has breast cancer. My other sister lost a kidney to diabetes. My other brother's experiencing a cancer uh, issue right now. My mother had her health crisis. We're still struggling with some of them. My entire family, did, we didn't realize that when we were sitting around the tables on Thanksgiving, we were doing just the opposite of giving thanks. We were hurting each other and we want to turn that around. Wow, that is so powerful. Well, we will have to end it there, but thank you. I hope you'll come back on the show down yes, the road yes. <laughs> um, and, and talk to the audience again. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, sister. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you. Hey, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast, and thank you to my guest, the very busy uh, Eric Adams. I can't wait for his book, to come out. It, um, you know, I talk so much about African Americans and veganism and how we need to kind of not be slaves to, you know, the food from slavery. And so I'm glad that he's focusing on that and so much more in his new book. And I'll keep you posted on, on when that comes out and we'll definitely have him back when that book comes out. Listen, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast and send a link to a friend. You know, we're trying to build a community here um, uh, just to help some people along the way who are vegan curious or for folks who are vegan, just, you know, a community to share information. Um, and if you have information to share, things that you want to know, leave me a comment, you know, send me a message here or on social media and let me know what you're thinking 
uh, what kind of guests you'd like to hear from, all of that. I love hearing from you and I love, you know, just interacting with you in any way that I can. Please follow Vegan Sexy Cool on social media. We're all over the place. Just look for Vegan Sexy Cool. And of course, go to the website, vegansexycool.com and sign up for our newsletter. We are revamping the website. Got a new logo that I love so much. Um, you're going to love it too. So I, I'm in love with this new logo. I can't wait for you guys to see it. So we will be revealing that and a whole new look for the website really soon. Um, but you guys, you know, stay safe and stay sane out there. Be smart and take care of one another. And until next time, I'm Jackie Reed wishing you wellness.